Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 334 for August 20th, 2021. Today's guest is award-winning conductor, composer, arranger, singer, and music activist, Dr. Alexander Lloyd Blake. We'll be talking about his work as founder and artistic director of the vocal ensemble Tonality, whose mission is to use their collective voices to present concerts on themes of social justice in hopes to act as a catalyst towards empathy and community activism. That's a lot. But it's not, I didn't even capture everything that we talked about. This conversation, so good. I say that every week and I'm never lying, am I? This is really a great conversation. Oh, and by the way, uh, Tonality's new album is out today and we'll be listening to some music from that as well. If you've never listened to this podcast before, perhaps you're wondering who I am. I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast your ears for over 16 years now. We're in the 17th year of this podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at MichaelHeron or email MikeyPod at gmail.com. I wasn't even going to mention this. This is, this is the portion of the show where I check in about some different things. <laughs> And I wasn't going to check in about this, but I like not having like a pre-recorded intro to the podcast. Um, so that's why I say that blurb every week. Are you tired of it? <laughs> it just dawned on me for some reason that I've had this same blurb for a long time. It, I feel like it captures everything really concisely and I say it, this, I say it every time. So at least it's a little bit fresh because I say it the same way probably. Uh, I'm curious. Are you bored with it or do you like having that regularity? Anyway, <laughs> don't know why I was thinking about that. Um, I do want to check in about this. Uh, I've been having a really hard time. As you might have noticed, last podcast I said, oh, I'm going to be releasing a lot of podcasts. I'm going to get caught up. And then I didn't post another podcast for like three weeks. I've been really struggling. And it kind of came to a head. I figured it out sort of last night. Uh, I was in uh, Midtown with my boyfriend and we walked by Radio City Music Hall and I had this moment of like, oh my God, this is like an, uh, uh, that the word I'm thinking of. It's like a relic from a earlier time, from the before times when we could all go and sit and see performances together. I, I know that time is kind of coming back sort of, but it was a really, it kind of like, I don't know. Anyway, I want to talk more about that at the end of the show because I don't want to spend too much time going on about myself because this show is about the guests. <laughs> and I have a really great one today. Um, <laughs> it's funny that I say that as I'm about to tell you one more thing about myself. Uh, the State Fair is happening right now in New York State um, for the fourth year, not in a row, because we didn't do it last year. Um, I'm helping out my friend Joel, um, also patron of this fair podcast and my other creative work uh, with Strong Hearts Cafe. So if you happen to be at the fair for the first week of it, come to Strong Hearts during the day. I'll be there cooking. Um, it's so much fun. It's a vegan, all vegan restaurant. I think probably that's obvious that that's what I would want to do. Um, it's really surprisingly fun and really cool to go out there. So anyway, uh, if you're at the state fair, come say hi. 
Um, I think that's really it. Um, I always want to make sure I thank my subscribers on Patreon for powering this podcast. These are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines, bonus podcasts, and there's 70-ish bonus podcast that you'll have immediate access to when you subscribe, including this week's bonus episode, which features an extended extension extended conversation with today's guest, Dr. Alexander Lloyd Blake. We had a, the, the main conversation is great. The bonus conversation is great. And then we kept talking and I'm going to include that in the bonus podcast too. Cause we, I, I ended the bonus podcast and then we kept talking and I was like, Oh my God, can I use this as well? And, uh, Alex kindly said, yes. Uh, so the bonus podcast this week is extra juicy so get ready for this it's a friday i don't usually release podcasts on friday the bonus will come out on saturday and hopefully i'm gonna have another podcast out on monday i'm trying to churn these out before i leave for syracuse so um i think that's it i think i said enough about myself let's listen to some music this is from tonality their new album that is out today uh this track is called one two three two life you'll hear about the album and um uh, about the videos there are videos for each of these songs if i i, I think that is true <laughs> i'm doubting myself but no that's what that's what was said <laughs> i think <laughs> uh this track is called one two three two life and after this we'll hear from alex My past would come back tenfold Life on parole How could you come as a crime? They say it one more time They give me life Strike three, two, one Oh, we're running out of time Two and three, one, 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 two and three
there's no room to forgive in a love that stems from pain. Fear and justice aren't the same. No. Where is there room for grace when a loss says one, two, three, three to love? America will be a place that truly appreciates immigrants and welcomes them with open arms. That was 1232 Life from the vocal group Tonality. Uh, Dr. Alexander Lloyd Blake is here with me to talk about this piece of music and his work founding this group. Uh, super excited to talk to you today. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's, let's talk about that song first, since it's fresh in everyone's mind. Um, what can you, there's, I mean, it's funny to be like, tell me about this piece, which is a very like uh, energetic, haunting, moving piece. Um, can you give me some background about it? Sure. So this was written for a concert that we were going to do on criminal justice reform in March of 2020. And actually, we were up to the final two days before the concert when the whole city shut down for the pandemic. And to be honest, the piece wasn't finished then. So I actually got a little bit of grace and was able to really work on that through throughout the year. But the piece really came after a friend of mine, Roman Giannarther, who actually wrote uh, one of the other pieces, Build Me Up, recommended that I watch 13th, which was a documentary on Netflix. And that was the first time I had heard about the Three Strikes Law which, you know, says if you have committed a violent felony in the past, if you commit other crimes, you could be sentenced to life, regardless of the actual, you know, matter of that final crime. And to me, that just seemed and seems so unjust and unfair and really uh, just becomes, you know, another cog in the system of so many problems. And trying to bring up that perspective around the concert and thinking there is no music that speaks to that issue that I can find. And so it just gave me the opportunity to create something. As a 
composer and musician <laughs> recording person myself. I'm curious about the very intro. Um, is it, are those samples or were those sung in the studio? How did that part work? We were able to, you know, do the recording remotely. Well, able to, had to, um, <laughs> in the past year. And so kind of my thought, we had just, we had just done a concert right before the pandemic with Tune Yards, and they were amazing. Um, the way they use Hockets, and so I remember on my bike one day, just that one, two, three, just got stuck in my mind. But thinking of just the random numbers before, you know, we had been doing recordings for a while, and I just had the idea of what are these numbers just kind of came from everywhere, um, and then kind of led into this chaotic rhythmic section. So that's how that came about. Oh, I love it. Um, that I, we didn't mention, or I didn't even mention this podcast is out on the day that that album comes out. So I'm super excited to be talking to you on, on this exciting day. Uh, yes. You have an energy toward combining social justice and music, which I also have a passion for. I'm always interested how people get, uh, inspired to move in that direction with, with arts. What, how did that work for you? Sure. Well, I, Personally, I've always been interested in, you know, books and subjects around civil rights. And, uh, you know, going through school as a musician, I didn't really think I had seen a lot of opportunity to put the two together until I saw Conspirare uh, as a choir in Texas. They did a piece called Considering Matthew Shepard uh, about, you know, a young man who was killed because of his uh, sexuality. And so... Seeing that and then watching the different conversations that happened after that performance really just kind of sparked something in me of, you know, music can be a way, not just a way of entertainment around these conversations, but can really be a way to connect people emotionally to what I feel like a lot of times become intellectual conversations. Um, so that's how that spark came. Of course, tonality of, you know, first started off as just a group that appreciated and represented diversity. Um, but then kind of using that to say, we have all these different perspectives. Let's talk about issues that matter. I need to strike down that piece, considering Matthew Shepard. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, that's what I, I feel like, and I wonder if this is true for you, because people approach like a piece of art, a piece of music, uh, a performance with, with, a, with an openness toward hearing what the artist has to say, it feels like it it facilitates, um, a, 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 it's coming out in an awkward way, it facilitates a greater desire in the audience to understand another person's point of view. Is that is that what your experience has been too with your audiences? Yeah, I think, you know, so our concerts, we really have tried to craft them to really create a sense of empathy. And so, you know, it's not just the music alone. Certainly the music helps again to, you know, allow people to open up. Mm -hmm. But we have people tell personal stories. We have the organizations that are directly involved with the issues speak. And so, you know, we're in Los Angeles, a general liberal area. So we're not trying to convince people, you know, that the issues that we talk about are important. I think it's really how can you create more proximity with our audience to issues that they might not have to encounter personally. And that's how I feel our music can create that environment where people really do feel that these issues are about humans and they watch people emotionally tell stories 
and then they become more activated to actually get involved in creating solutions. That's what that was going to be my next question. And you answer like the part of the goal is to to get people activated to take action and and in you know in these things that they're probably already on board with, right? Like absolutely. You know, I think. For instance, you know, you do a concert on homelessness. Homelessness is a problem in so many cities, LA certainly being one of them. But then you ask generally, you know, what are three organizations that are, you know, actively combating homelessness in the city? And I don't think a lot of people can answer that question readily. And so I think that's, you know, an opportunity that we can step in as artists to really kind of make that connection. Mm. Yeah, I'm curious about um, diversity, which was like what got you you kind of moving in this direction. And it's something that obviously over the past year I've become especially more uh, uh, aware of, but I'm, I'm a music educator privately and I went to music school and <laughs> as a white person, it didn't really dawn on me that, wait a minute, every piece I'm playing on the piano is composed by a white man. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I'm telling myself a little bit there, but you know, I'm curious as an educator and, you know, just just looking at the landscape of classical music in the United States, um, I don't, you know, I don't even know what my question is. I think it's it's kind of like what, you know, taking that awareness into account, like, okay, so what do we, what what's next? Like, Sure, yes. And um, there's so many thoughts there. <laughs> um, I can tell you a little bit about my experience. I think choral music especially has encountered and engaged with a lot of music of, around a lot of cultures, especially black cultures. Um, I grew up singing gospel music in North Carolina. That was kind of my first entrance into choral music and music in general. And whether it be gospel music, but especially uh, African-American spirituals, which are very popular in our field, those songs and the experiences that are described and represented in those songs are around issues and experiences of trauma. And what I was finding was that, you know, the the concentration that we spent toward learning music of the canon um, was not given the same consideration when we were trying to learn how to sing the music around Black cultures, let alone even talk about, you know, the experiences around the people that wrote those pieces and the environment and the situations in which they were writing them, which are not exactly disconnected from experiences of people of color today. And so it just became really a, another example, I think, of dismissing experiences and stories and kind of placing certain stories and um, cultures in some type of priority. And so uh, along the way, to say, to answer your question and really what we have tried to do with Tonality from the beginning is how do we take the way that we have looked at the Bach and Mozart pieces and how do we use that same type of intention towards performance practice, toward historical knowledge of what's happening in the context of which those piece, pieces were written, and how do we use that same type of execution in all styles and all cultures? And really, it just becomes a way in a grander scheme of how do we see each other and how do we place value on everyone's identity for who, what they bring. Environment. So uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think about like what like what that equates to in like in 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 the world and I, and one of the things that crossed my mind and of course I may be like heading the wrong direction with this but is it about you know like 
if I were an artistic director programming pieces for a season, like acknowledging it's not just about like having like a a black composer here and you know, or like using traditional gospel music, but it's also about making sure people understand what that you know, where that came from, what those stories are, because it just feels like, you know, as people are making these efforts, um, there's there's kind of a, a tendency to be like, well, let's represent this music, but we don't want to upset anybody by telling them this. I don't want them to feel offended or targeted, you know, don't, don't want to upset the white audience, <laughs> but, you know, but go ahead, go ahead. No, it's, I, it's true. There is a lot of hesitance. And frankly, I think some of that can be abated by actually bringing in people of color and giving them agency. Um, yes, it's going to be awkward. You know, for instance, like when uh, Tonality did a concert on women's rights, it would have been very awkward for me to say this as a man leader, as a male leader, is how I feel and my discomfort around some of these issues. Sure. But you can also tell stories with people <laughs> mm. who are directly affected and then it becomes less of a me as a person, as a leader, as an organizational leader, having to speak awkwardly about an experience I don't really understand becomes a, I bring on a team and we get to decide how we speak about an issue that affects, directly affects some of the people on that team. And we get to help facilitate how that's shared. And I feel like there's a lot more grace in the way that is, uh, you know, presented. And I also think there are a lot of kind of uh, potential problems that you get to avoid because you have a greater team that's helping share that perspective. Yeah. And as people who aren't familiar or haven't experienced um, being excluded, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to make mistakes. And it's easy to center discomfort. And really, you know, I've had this conversation so many times in the past year uh, you know, people saying, well, I don't want to look like this, or I'm afraid to look like this. And it's like, well, if you don't want to be centered, then decenter yourself. <laughs> like, it's not about you. Um, <laughs> so if you want to share other stories, put those stories first. And I think you'll find that the people that you want that story to resonate with will also help assist you in that. I mean, it helps everyone. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I just want to throw out, just for people who are listening, Uh, And I've been like a lot of conversations I've been having about race specifically. I do that like and and there have been over the past year, I've made an effort to be more inclusive with who I'm talking to and talk to artists who are specifically dealing with race. And every single time I found myself like scared as I was approaching, like, oh, my God, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I did. Like I said the wrong thing a bunch of times. And the thing that I have found is like, oh, shit. I just said the wrong thing and centered whiteness in this conversation about including people of color. Let's talk about that. You know, like realizing like, oh, I'm going to mess up and I'm and like this is a white supremacist society. I'm going to like reflect that because I don't know how not to. So it's important to have the conversations. Absolutely. And I think really, again, you know. I can't speak for everyone, but for me, if I'm having these conversations, I think there is space for more mistakes when we're all in this, you know, you know, we're in an awareness where people are learning and unlearning, like we're, that's a process, you know? And so, um, and you know, it's also a process from my end to have agency. I've been trying to have some of these conversations for years. And so to kind of been given a microphone, that's also a process of learning grace and patience and refinement and what I say. Um, but I think, there's room 
for growth in that area where people I think and where I <laughs> become impatient is where people kind of step and say, we're going to do this thing or we're not going to do this thing because of how we feel. And it's just like, well, if we always go by the feelings and fears and perspectives of people who are coming from a limited range of experience, then we're always going to be halted in progression. Mm. So would the, would the converse or the opposite of that be, oh, we're going to do this thing because of how you feel. And we want to make sure sh- we've realized, you know, like I realize something about another group of people. And of course, like I'm partly motivated by the fact that that makes me feel like people are being treated unfairly and I don't like it, but that it, we already know that like (laughs) sure i think the biggest thing is to know and be okay with the fact that you don't know Mm -hmm. um you know tonality is doing this right now we're working with the deaf and hard of hearing community on a new video which involves just deaf performers i pay my rent and i went to school for 11 years to study sound (laughs) so i have no perspective of what it looks like to go through life without you know the ability to hear to be deaf um and so what that looks like, how we involve the work that we need to do, working with deaf performers, ASL interpreters, all that is unknown. And I certainly, we could go into with a, I feel guilty that we have ignored this community for so long, all these things, and I can let that lead how I engage with the community, or just say, we have an organization, we have a platform, we can offer resources and conversations, um, and we can ask people who are directly affected to be involved without taking that on emotionally. I think that's really where I have seen a lot of even well-intentioned, best-intentioned people kind of stumble. It's like, well, what does this mean for me? And it's like, it's not about you're stumbling. <laughs> We're all trying to grow. And I think, too, you'll find, again, if we really allow the people directly affected in those situations, be it race or whatever identity of marginalization, to have a say in how those things are presented, it will allow some of our own shame, guilt, frustration to wash away. We get to serve. And then it just becomes a way of how we work together. Mm. I love that phrase, we get to serve. Like, (laughs) you know, when I think about that in all areas of my life, that feels better. You know, like if I'm like in, (laughs) it's one of the things I think of, it's kind of, I have a, experience in recovery i'm a recovering alcoholic drug addict but that's one of the things like okay you feel shitty today you feel depressed you're like stop thinking about yourself (laughs) and go help somebody else like connect with somebody else somebody else needs you like hush (laughs) get to work it's funny i've been following all of these mental health things on instagram and i think it's exactly that you know one way to get out of your own stuff (laughs) is is to help others and um it's just great to think tonality gets to do that you know, in so many ways, which just allows us, I think, for our own purposes, but also just how to help lead a whole community who is interested in this work um, to do that. But it's just interesting that you said that. It's very, I'm, it resonates with me a lot right now. Uh, I also want to throw in there just to make sure for people listening, if you can't, if you're in another type of place where emotionally you can't go help someone else, definitely take care of yourself. Like, it's not Absolutely. always the fix, but I just hear it like echoes in my head of people, you know, like, because there's this whole idea of toxic positivity, which I think also exists. And sometimes we need to be right. <laughs> kind of dwell in our shitty feelings. Yes. Take what you need at all <laughs> yeah. times, for sure. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the album. Um, I'm curious about... 
Well, I, I didn't even touch on the idea that you had this grace um, before the performance, the way the, the pandemic kind of like gave you a little more time <laughs> to to realize that piece. Um, how did how did the pandemic in general affect recording a vocal ensemble? Like, I'm sure there's some issues here. Yeah, well, it's you no. Know, I feel like tonality is very fortunate, um, but really, we would not have recorded an album had the pandemic not happened. Um, you know, the like every ensemble, especially every vocal ensemble, who are you know infamous, infamously known as the super spreaders <laughs> of uh, the virus. Of course, uh, yeah. You know, we're dangerous beings, singers, and so really, it it became a question of how do we move on? How do we go forth in this environment? And I guess the, really the first question was, do we go forward? And even before, you know, the whole world, you know, turned their eyes and focused their attention on the murder of George Floyd, these issues around injustice, around race, um, around immigration, issues around climate change, these things didn't stop just because we were at home. And so really, when we thought about it, there was no question about if we could continue. We, we had to do something. Hmm. And luckily, we have an amazing engineer, Jack Galindo, um, who uh, has worked with us on multiple projects, our last CD. And we're in Los Angeles. So a lot of our singers have professional recording equipment from home. And Pietro Torrizi is a friend of mine. He's also a videographer, cinematographer. And I remember we were riding the bike. I rode a lot of biking, apparently, in the pandemic. And um, I remember Wait, talking sorry, to a lot of biking? Biking, yes. Okay. Um, we were talking about, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, like, what are we going to do? We should do music videos. We've already done a couple. And I remember him saying to me, you know, that'd be great, but I would really like to not do just the, like, Brady Bunch singer thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, thank you. I'm already bored. We just started. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, really, we started to create these virtual videos and recordings just as something to put out, you know, some music that we have, we had commissioned through the years, new music that we just had the opportunity to do once a month. And then Pietro started to create these beautiful videos that had singers, but also had real images of, you know, children seesawing along the border of a country um, or glaciers melting um, or the Statue of Liberty kind of juxtaposed to the border, you know, to talk about what we should be, what America can be and hopefully will be. Um, mm. And so we started to see these videos and thought, this is really becoming like its own entity. And then, yeah, you know, 10 months of that, we have 12 pieces and each song is accompanied with a, a music video. And it's like, that's, that's an album. That's a visual album. That's a project. <laughs> Ah, uh, I love, I love talking to people who did this, you know, like found some movement. I struggled during the pandemic to like, okay, wait, what, you know, and totally valid too, <laughs> but it's really cool to hear, you know, something coming out of this, you know, what felt like a, I mean, it was, it was a very isolated, terrifying time. And then on top of that, like we had a lot of frightening civil unrest, a lot of race issues, the murder of George Floyd, as we all know. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something that kind of gives me some lightness about all of that to see like, oh yeah, we still can make stuff. 
that matters. Yeah, it's it. You know, it's really interesting to think. And again, I know that we are in a very specific place in Los Angeles with the work that we have and the, the resources, the connections we have to do an album in the middle of a time where none of us can actually get together. Um, but I think it was also just, honestly, it was just fateful timing. I, know I was going to use the word beautiful, but it's, it's complicated. Um, yeah. We had been having these conversations and of course, like you said, you know, the whole world really had to, I would say the country especially had to sit and really recognize that some of the things that some populations have been screaming about um, really took everyone, you know, took everyone's attention and people had to sit and really sit with what was happening, which I think allowed, you know, tonality certainly to have a little bit more of a voice in our field um, and in our community to say, you know, now... Now that we have the time, let's really have the conversations. And when the world comes back to whatever sense of what things were before, don't turn your head so quickly. Um, and, and don't find the ways to avoid the dis, you know, discomfort and uncomfortable conversations. Um, because for so many people, that reality is still there. And now that you have a glimpse, you know, I think it, now that you have an awareness, I think it's now all of our responsibility to make sure that we still keep some attention to making those changes. Mm. I, I found myself wanting to add to that, but there's nothing to add. Like <laughs> You covered it. <laughs> all right. I hate to do it, but we have to wrap up our conversation. But before we do, we're going to listen to another track from Tonality called Build Me Up. Um, and there's a video for this. Obviously, you mentioned that there are videos for all of these songs. And this is from the album. Um, what can you tell me about the piece itself? Uh, so this was written also for that same concert uh, that was happening. It will happen again in March, by the way. It will happen for the first time in March. But uh, Roman Giannarther is a friend from undergrad. And he has uh, since done a thousand things. Um, artist, producer, film composer. Um, and I remember talking to him and he, he had already started working on this music. And so we thought that it would be great to have tonality be a part of his creation. And we didn't get to perform that live, but it was actually the first piece that we did. Um, and it wasn't originally about Black Lives Matter. It was actually about seeing people who had been incarcerated. Um, but again, like so many of these pieces, they resonate in so many ways and it's a powerful piece. And so we kind of turned it into, it seemed like an anthem for the Black Lives Matter movement. And you'll see, you know, when you see the video, um, if you look on the website, uh, you'll see how it connects. But uh, the piece is beautiful, really just talks about kind of lifting each other up. Um, and I think it becomes just kind of a I say an anthem, a calling card, just for people to be inspired of like what it really means, the spirit of community gathering together to lift up the most vulnerable. Mm. Uh, it's a great song. And the album is called America Will Be, and it's out today. Uh, is it everywhere, like all the streaming platforms, All the streaming, all the downloads, yes. And it's and also then on, the video. Oh, and the video, uh, Build, Me, Build Me Up is up already is uh, there yeah, a new one coming up, up today there will be 12 videos that you can look if you go to our website and go to our tonality ourtonality.org 
backslash America will be. You can find all the videos, the tracks, and organizations that are directly involved with the subjects that we present. This, this is one of those moments. I like. I've been on the internet for a very long time, as many of us have, but I still have these moments. Of like, isn't that great? You could release your videos and the, you know, all this information at one time, and you can have this whole interactive experience, which is still not lost on me after like however many years. <laughs> right. So let's give a listen to that track. Um, and oh, I want to mention Bandcamp, which is for me where I like to send people for my music. Is that best for you all too? Sure. Yeah. Bandcamp, um, Apple Music, you know, whatever your preference. Cool. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. And uh, oh, if you didn't get enough of this conversation, I will be releasing a second conversation with Alex um, for patrons. Uh, take a look for that. And here is Build Me Up. I'm trying to 
America will be a place where my multiracial daughters will grow up to be leaders, loved, respected, and protected by all. From their brand new album, As of Today, that was Tonality with Build Me Up. The album is called America Will Be. I'll put notes in the show notes, links in the show notes for you to purchase that album. Uh, man, thanks for being uh, a guest here, Alex, if you're listening. And uh, thank you, people who are listening, because you are listening. Uh, I said in the beginning of the show I would check in. You know, I wanted to talk more about that uh, that feeling I had when I saw Radio City Music Hall last night and was thinking of it as like this um, artifact from another time when we could go see shows together and stuff. You know, like it was super sad in that moment and I did some writing about it today and and it kind of made me realize like one of the things that is happening for me is that I was kind of waiting. I, I found myself sort of going in this dormant kind of state in a way waiting for the world to come back to normal. And, you know, it It made me realize that that is this weird way of living in the past and the future at the same time. It's impossible to live in either of those places. Like I, I was trying to recreate the past or waiting for the past to recreate itself in the future and just kind of, there's a whole AA phrase <laughs> I don't know if it's an AA phrase. I used to hear it in AA a lot. If you have one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow, you piss all over today. That's kind of what I realized. Like I couldn't get any momentum going to create anything, even like putting this podcast together, um, because I was so like in this waiting state and not appreciating. Maybe appreciating isn't a great word because I feel like it's a little bit shitty right now. Um, but you know, honoring or just noticing what the world is and noticing that I'm in this moment. And uh, wow, <laughs> it's crazy. So anyway, it made me like, oh, okay. I think that means I'm supposed to be in this experience and just whatever the next experience is will be whatever it is. Um, but I could still do the things I do now. Does that make sense? Where are you all with this? If you, if any of this registers with you or resonates with you or it makes any kind of sense, send me an email or <laughs> social media DM because uh, I would love to like talk about this with people more. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird time. And I mean, there's a lot going on. Oh, anyway, <laughs> so I think I'm overwhelmed by a lot of things and everything that I feel overwhelmed about feels small compared to some of the horrendous things that are going on elsewhere in the world. Like it's just so, like everything is so fucked up. It's hard to like allow myself to feel actual real things about what is fucked up here, you know, because then you're like, well, I mean, how dare I be, you know, I'm in a super privileged place in spite of the fact that I'm super privileged in a shitty time. Um, but that doesn't mean I should just not, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> Check out the new album from Tonality. Uh, I think you're going to really love it. I'm sure you probably noticed they're fantastic. Um, and if you're a patron, be sure to check out, especially this week, the bonus conversation with uh, Alex. It's good. It's a really good one. And then you get to hear this sort of 
you get to hear the conversation that was intended for the bonus podcast and then us closing out the conversation and then continuing to talk. And then at the end of it, me saying, hey, do you mind if I include this entire conversation? <laughs> and he said, yes. So uh, it'll be kind of cool to hear. And I can't wait to listen to it again before I post it. So that's enough of that. Um, thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time, which will hopefully be in just a few days. Um, uh, be forgiving if it's, if it's longer than that. Okay. Bye.